section one hundred and four of the inheritance by susan edmonstone ferrier this librivox recording is in the public domain volume three chapter thirty three sorrows are well allowed and sweeten nature where they express no more than drops on lilies but when they fall in storms they bruise our hopes make us unable though our comforts meet us to hold our heads up massinger but this state of high-wrought feeling could not long continue in vain gertrude struggled against the burning sense of her wrongs and her wretchedness in vain she repressed each rising sigh and starting tear with lofty scorn at the weakness they would have betrayed in vain she repeated to herself a thousand times that she was calm she was well her throbbing head and aching heart told another tale and she was at length compelled to yield to the fever which for some time had been preying upon her then reason fled and for many days her life was doubtful and during that time poor uncle adam like some faithful mastiff hung round the bed which contained his new-found treasure in all the stern woe of rigid old age lindsay was the only person excepting the medical attendants whom he would see but to him he would utter the grief which filled his heart even to overflowing long closed as it had been against each softer feeling and lindsay even in the midst of his own anguish strove to cheer and support the disconsolate old man but the object of all this solicitude was once more restored to them the crisis of the fever was past and gertrude again awoke to consciousness it was only then she was aware of the danger she had passed she had walked unconsciously through the valley of the shadow of death the gates of eternity had been before her but she had not described them it was then while still hovering on the confines of this world that she felt all the emptiness and the vanity of its pleasures her dreams of greatness her hopes of happiness her gay spent days her festive nights where were they now gone and where they had been was marked but with shame disappointment remorse all earthly distinctions had been hers and what was the account which she had now to render to god for the use of these his gifts on which of these was it that she would now build her hopes of acceptance with him on which of them would she now rest her hopes of eternal happiness alas miserable comforters were they all a deep melancholy now took possession of gertrude's mind like all persons of an ardent and enthusiastic temperament she flew from one extreme to the other and what had formerly whispered as faults now roared as crimes only to be expiated by a life of penitence and sorrow she kept her own apartment refused to see anybody even lindsay and passed her time in solitude and woe in vain did uncle adam attempt to stem the tide of affliction which had thus broken in upon her shattered heart she acknowledged his kindness with tears and with gratitude but when he attempted to remonstrate with her or urged her to see any one she became violently agitated and her only answer was if you love me suffer me oh suffer me to die in peace 
the indulgence of her grief had now become a sort of strange unnatural luxury to her she loved to sit for hours brooding on her sorrows to hoard them as it were in her own heart she could not have borne that another should have shared in them she loved to think that no one could share in them that she stood alone in the world a wretched forsaken lonely thing to a heart such as hers the existence of some powerful sentiment was necessary she had strove to tear from her heart every root every fibre of her once cherished tenderness but no flower had arisen to fill the void they had left all was dreariness and desolation lindsay had written to her repeatedly urging and imploring her to see him and using every argument to rouse her from this wasteful excess of grief but she only wept when she read his letters and wished that he would cease to think of one so wretched so degraded as she was poor uncle adam was almost heartbroken at this pertinacity of suffering all that he possessed he had told her again and again should be hers she should go to bloom park she should be mistress there she should have everything that gold and goodwill could procure to make her happy but gertrude would only exclaim no no once i had wealth and power and how did i abuse them leave me then the beggar that i am that i deserve to be she was in this state of mind when one day the door of her apartment was gently opened and anne leslie slowly entered at sight of her gertrude turned away her head in displeasure at the intrusion but anne caught her hand and as she respectfully kissed it her tears dropped upon it gertrude stood some moments irresolute then throwing herself on anne's neck she exclaimed with a burst of anguish you trusted in god and he has not deceived you while i she stopped overcome with the acuteness of remembrance but you will trust in him and he will yet put gladness in your heart said anne wiping away the tears from her own sweet serene face where shone the peaceful calm of a heavenly mind no never said gertrude i do not deserve to be happy added she in an accent of despair ah who has ever deserved that happiness which we owe to a saviour's love if thou lord shouldst mark iniquities who shall stand guilty and frail as we all are which of us would dare to lift up our eyes to heaven and say we merited its favour but i had power and i misused it i had wealth and i squandered it i had an idol oh my god and thou wast forgot alas said anne meekly who can weigh even their own actions in the balance if your errors were more glaring than mine so were your temptations greater he only who made the heart can judge it for he only knows what have been its trials he knows said gertrude bitterly that in the day of prosperity mine was far from him and therefore has he dissolved those vain delights which had taken possession of the soul he had destined for himself ah do not look to god merely as to an offended judge from whose face you turn away but as to a tender father who invites you to come unto him and he will give you rest happiness greater than any you have ever known happiness repeated gertrude no my heart is for ever closed against that 
ah do not say so said anne god can put an heavenly calm into that heart which is shut against all earthly joys gertrude felt the truth of these simple words and by degrees her soul emerged from the dreary stupor in which it had so long been buried and her mind became soothed and composed beneath the calming influence of that religion whose very essence is love and peace she saw that her heart had gone astray in its own delusions but these were dispelled she had received a new impulse and she had awakened if not to happiness at least to something less perishable less fatal hers had been a young fancy which could convert the sound of common things to something exquisite but now she bowed her heart in quietness she knew her brightest prospects could revive no more yet was she calm for she had heaven in view o oh, thou who driest the mourner's tear how dark this world would be if when deceived and wounded here we could not fly to thee the friends who in our sunshine lived when winter comes are flown and he who has but tears to give must weep those tears alone but thou wilt heal the broken heart which like the plants that throw their fragrance from the wounded part breathes sweetness out of woe more End of section one hundred and four